You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Welcome to the first episode of The Retail Perch for 2021. Can you believe it? We got through that year, Gary, and here's my co-host, Gary. (laughs) So, Shaker, Happy New Year, and uh, let's hope 2021 is a better, nicer year than this past one. I'm sure it will be. You know, I mean, we're already hearing some good news about vaccines coming out and people getting on waiting lists and can't wait for life to get back to normal here. But 2020 obviously been a fantastic year uh, in, in many ways. You know, I, we know that a lot of people went through a lot of trouble, but, you know, we're glad to have come through it relatively unscathed and looking for a better future here. Uh, we did start the retail perch, Gary, in uh, 2020, and what we're into episode number 18. That's pretty good. Wow. So we lasted yeah. pretty long. It's gone um, fast. That's right. That's right. And, you know, there's some exciting episodes coming up. And in fact, this one is terrific because, you know, it's kicking off the year uh, with the first episode with uh, a retailer. Uh, You know, I know you guys hear enough from Gary and me. We'd love to hear from retailers. So we have one of our favorite retailers here on the show with us. David, welcome, David, to the show, to the Retail Perch. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, David the uh, runs marketing at Harps Foods and Ten Box out in uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma. So, David, give us, if you will, just give us a quick background uh, of where you're coming from, and we'll go from there. You bet. So, um, David Ganung, Vice President of Marketing for Harps Food Stores. From a career perspective, I'm one of those lifers. You know, started carrying out groceries at 16, and uh, the thing that was a plus back then is. The grocery industry allowed me to work around my sports and, you know, and, and that was always a plus with school and sports. And then it also, uh, I could travel away to college and then I could come home for the holidays or the summer break. And we had stores in both towns. And, and so it allowed me to shift and go back and forth and coming out of college, um, you know, had some opportunities, but you're really just trying to figure out what you're going to do in life. And the current retailer was an independent that turned around and offered me a manager trainee program. Worked for them for for a lot of years. They turned around and sold to Walmart, of all people. So in Northwest Arkansas, I was a store manager for Food for Less. And at that time, Walmart was looking to expand their grocery operations. They wanted to build a distribution center in Northwest Arkansas, but they didn't have any, they just had Division I stores. We had some food for lessons that were there. So they acquired our stores. And what they would do is at some point, they would build a super center and then they would close the division one and the food for less store and they would transition. And that way they just had existing management already in place. And I was slotted to go into a super center and got transferred to a store in Siloam. And uh, at that point, Walmart had started, you know, super centers and, they got ready to do their neighborhood markets and decided they no longer needed those extra grocery stores. And so they sold us to Harps. So 1995, I was part of an acquisition to the company of Harps and have been here ever since. I've done everything from, you know, the in the store, every department in the trainee program to um, in the office to in the marketing. And so anyways, for us as a company, I was an acquisition, but we continue to grow. The thing that Harps is most known about in the grocery industry is our ability to survive as Walmart corporate is just 
20 you know, minutes up the road. And the crazy part is COVID. You were talking about COVID and what's happened there. We went in our largest growth mode of our history was this last year. Uh, mm-hmm. We bought a store in Little Rock. And as we were taking it over, you started hearing about COVID starting to you know wrap up in China. Well, about the time, then we bought four stores over in the Tulsa market. And at that point, it was hitting the U.S. And we were trying to decide if we were even going to be able to do inventories to take over the stores. COVID takes full hit, growing like crazy, and it's a major concern. Well, we take on 20 store acquisition over in the boot hill of Missouri. (laughs) Wow. there's, There's 25 stores that... This year, in a time frame of trying to figure out where you're going to get your supplies, and we were onboarding associates, we're changing out front end equipment. But 25 stores now has us up to 114 stores. We're in Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Kansas. Wow, wow. that's quite a story. So, huh? so, David, how long have you uh, been involved with the run marketing for Harps? And I guess the follow-on question is, how have you seen marketing evolve in the time you've you've been there? I was director of marketing before becoming vice president of marketing. So, you know, I'm going to say eight to 10 years as far as with the company doing something with marketing, you know, as far as the evolving, uh, man, I would tell you the, the last five years have probably changed as much as the previous 20 years of what you've seen in the grocery industry. And, you know, and COVID's even spiked that this, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we had started looking at um, home delivery and click and collect and all that. And we have a partnership with a third party company that does that. And and to see when COVID to, to see that spike in the numbers. I mean, you were doing a thousand times what you were before um, that kicked in. But you're also as uh, as COVID's kicked in or probably timing of the print industry, we just randomly had newspapers that just, you know, ha- have this one market and that's your primary source of communicating to that customer. And they just close their doors. You, you don't even get noticed. They just send you your final bill and says, uh, we're, we're done, you know, and then you, <laughs> as a retailer, you're scrambling to try to figure out how do I, how do I get my message out there? So the, the industry is changing rapidly. Um, you know, for us, the mindset is, is because Walmart corporate is here, and if anybody's going to do it, they're the ones, you know, and, and we've got to stay relevant as a, as a retailer to keep the customer. You know, we want to offer that quality option for the, for the customers in our market. And so you just got to, you know, try to stay up with everything and, and communicate to your customers the best way you can. Uh, so, so you said, you know, COVID's kind of peaked some of the acceleration and changes. What are some of the things that it's, you think it's accelerated? You know, so Shaker, you're talking about as far as like even in the print, Northwest Arkansas is the population, I don't know, what do you, 600,000 if you take to Fayetteville through to Bentonville and et cetera. But the Democratic Gazette in Northwest Arkansas decided that they weren't going to do a print paper anymore. And I mean, how wow. do you, as a newspaper, you lose that? that much print? Well, they decided if you want a subscription that you they're going to provide you an iPad. But the worst part of that is they're not including the newspaper ads in the print version. And right. so, so, so same deal. So as a retailer, that's your primary 
um, option? And then how do you get that information out? I think the consumer is, you know, we're so wrapped up with all the global and national news. I think the hey, what your local grocery store is doing is, you know, has potentially lost some of that interest. We're obviously seeing sales increases. I think the huge plus for us as a retailer is that if you're going to a super center, you know, what's the customer count in there and how many customers are focused on safety. And, you know, I, I don't want to be around that many customers. And, you know, the side part of that statement is, is hey, we recognize we don't have that customer count, but that's a plus. And, you know, how do you communicate that to the customer that we're a, sh- a safe shopping experience? And I think it's worked out good for us as far as sales. The other transition that's probably impacted us is where are the restaurants at today? You know, it's good to be in the grocery business. I'd hate to be a restaurant owner, you know, right. but as far as, as every market probably is different on what that consumer and what the, the local city or county allows for the consumer to do. But as they've transitioned, you know, at what point we've gained all these customers, how do we maintain them as the vaccine starts coming around and, and, and life goes back to normal? So, David, safe to say that, you know, over the last 10 months or so of the, the whole COVID crisis that you've seen digital engagement digital interaction with your shoppers grow? Have you heard from your customers that they're looking for more information digitally from you, be it through, you know, website, apps, email, whatever? Yeah. So Gary, we're, we're just now getting ready to launch here in three weeks, our, our mobile app. And the crazy part, we were just on the phone earlier talking about it and we've not launched, but we've already had, uh, I was like 2,500 customers that are already signed up on it because we've got it out there in the app store. Um, and I think that's customers searching for information about you. You know, through the webpage, yeah, as, as customers have come to look for the, the home delivery, click and collect, and that side, we've seen some growth. But I don't know that I've seen that just be significant numbers, you know, tied to COVID. Obviously, we've, we have seen the e-commerce, I mean, just grows substantially. And so, it, you know, I don't know as far as how the customers getting their information. We went four months. We didn't run an ad just from the standpoint, we couldn't secure enough quantity of items that we felt comfortable to put it in print. And I mean, you just, at that point, you're irritating the consumer because they can't, hey, you advertised it. So we went months right. and, and the true luxury of the of it is, is we still have maintained just, a, you know, substantial sales growth. So do you think, do you think that makes you stop and wonder and think whether the ad is actually needed, or at least the extent of having a 12 page ad, you know, like some markets? Yeah. Shaker, that's an excellent point. And I would tell you what we've seen in print ad, I think in your higher, more um, population density areas, that the consumers, they're scrambling around just, you know, taking the kids to soccer and et cetera. I don't know that the drive is, or the need is as important. Hard part for us as an operator is we're in rural Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and in Kansas. In the rural communities, a lot of times you'll see the population of the town and the circulation of the ad is actually like three times lot because they're supplying the whole county. So I think the rural communities, it's still important for print, but the reality is, is that one year, two years, or three years, 
and his print gone away. So there again, right. back to us focusing on the mobile app, the thing that we're excited about is the ability as a customer shopping and the system learns what they're shopping. You've got, uh, what's the attention span they say today, 15 seconds or 30 seconds? Right. right. So in the app, if they go to the ad, it's now going to sort the items that are pertinent to you as a consumer. So now I've engaged them in a better way. So at that point, we're excited about the app. Can we turn around and continue the same? We, we're an ad funded from the manufacturers. Can we keep that ad funding, but transfer it into the promotional stuff now in the mobile app? So, yeah, because I would think, you know, one of the advantages you, you do get as you transition more of your shoppers to digital is you can do more targeted promotions. And, and the brands are obviously interested in having their, to be able to measure these campaigns. Sometimes when you run an ad, I find when I speak to a lot of retailers that they're doing very poor measurement on the impact of the ad. You know, it's like throwing a lot of mud against the wall. You know, you've been doing it for years, so you continue doing it, but you're not measuring it in the way that you ought to, right? Right. No, you know what? I would tell you, I think that a lot of the independents are in that same boat because the technology that it takes to be able to measure it and get generate the reports, there's an expense to it. And uh, with the different operating systems on the front end and how do you develop it? What system do you go with? Um, you know, one of the things that on the notes, you talked about challenges for you as a retailer. The biggest challenges that you have is there are so many options. I can tell you as we get larger as a company, the number of emails that I get on a daily basis of somebody mm. saying, can I get 15 minutes of your time? <laughs> um, yeah, and, and that's the reality. But there are so many quality options out there. So as you as an operator... You only have so much time, so many financial resources, so many IT guys, you know, that you can apply toward. So how do you choose the one that's going to work best for you? That's going to give you that return on investment down the road. Right. And that's probably a huge challenge for the independent today is, and if you're not doing something, the reality is, is these are sometimes a one or two year turnaround time frame in development before you can launch. And so if you're not working on something today, you're already behind the eight ball. And I think that challenge, David, goes beyond just independence. Uh, you know, I, I think that is applicable to pretty much any retailer, right? Is is just buried with all these new capabilities and solutions coming into the market today, all these new cool things that can be done. It's, it's tough for retail to keep up with it all. It reminds me like, you know, you walk into these some of these electronic showrooms and they have 75 types of TVs displayed against the wall. Yeah, I, I just want to teach. Shaker, to that point, AI has completely changed um, right. the capabilities. And, and as that grows, third-party providers, there again, it just multiplies the number of options that are available to you. True. I guess you can say, you know, sometimes too much choice is also presents its own challenges in trying to make decisions and sometimes less is more, right? So what has been your approach? I mean, what would be your, for somebody, a retailer listening into this episode, who's in a situation like you, what, what would you say is a good piece of advice if they're looking to kind of move into the digital transformation age, how should they go about it? Well, I mean, first you got to evaluate what your internal capabilities are. 
anything that you're going to do that's going to be digital is going to require information. And so your third party provider is going to require you to be able to provide that to them. And if you don't have some internal systems um, or personnel in place that can help you extract it to even feed that information, I think a lot of the uh, third party um, suppliers out there, they've got the capabilities of doing the formatting if you can just get them the content. But if you can't get the content out of your system, then, you know, so you, you got to go yeah. back and evaluate what your capabilities are as far as on information. The other part of it is, is I think there's value to historical to be able to have, you know, at least one year. Now, COVID is probably going to take some of that out of the mix because we realize that the, the movement and the customer's activity is going to be completely different this next year. I think that there's a mental mindset when you got sales increases and the energy is positive, but here about March 13th, when everyone, when a year ago was running hundred percent sales increases and you start seeing negative numbers, there's a little bit of a mindset of how do you keep, um, I mean, that becomes depressing after a while. Right. You know? So yeah. I think, you know, you just, at that point, you got to keep looking at what your budgeted numbers, but, you know, going back to it, we as a company, we've invested, we've got internal IT departments that, you know, help us accumulate the information. We, we keep um, a, a two-year database of our T-log activity so that we do have historicals so that if we partner with a company that, you know, they at least gives you a good starting block towards, you know, learning what's the information telling you. So, so basically you're saying, make sure you got the infrastructure to provide the information necessary for some of these systems to function. And then how do you go about the process of actually doing market research to find the right solution fit? What's your general approach? Well, both Shaker and Gary, you know that we're not an easy sell. We're going to stop and try to look at all the options that are out there available, try to do the due diligence. But like I say, to recognize that you only have so much time and energy that you can focus to each project. I've, there's some retailers out there that are, they're just grabbing everything they can grab and, and mm -hmm. trying to see what's going to stick to the wall. For us, we, we just have not had that mindset because one, it's expensive. Um, operating right here in the back door of Walmart, if you're not managing every expense line out there, all those go towards your, your margins that you got to have and managing your unit costs. And before long, you're not competitive. So we've tried to be selective and try to focus on, you know, just only probably one or two projects at a time. And then hopefully, knock on wood, we've been pretty good about choosing ones that have been good for us as a company and have helped us grow. That must take a lot of energy to kind of properly study the market. And especially, you know, given this day and age with, with tech, it's just, they're, it's booming, right? So there's new ideas coming out on a monthly, if not weekly basis. Yeah. And I mean, me, they, just putting myself in your shoes, probably get dizzy. Well, I always enjoy going to the NGA to, to see what's out there. But to your point, there, there are so many booths there that that can become overwhelming. Another source, um, we're as a company in multiple um, share groups, and it's always nice to have uh, other retail partners out there. Harps as a company recognize the independence up against the big guys, and, and we got to stick together. And, you know, as far as if, 
if another retailer had a question or had something that they wanted to reach out to us, always open to having that call, but because I know there's retailers that I can call. And, uh, you know, it's, there's a plus when you have retailers that are probably similar size as you as a company, because they have the same issues or opportunities. We are just fortunate to have multiple other retailers out there. And, and it's a, it's a good partnership as far as how we, we all take on the big guys. And I've heard that uh, a lot. I think share groups is a fantastic place because obviously you get to not have to go through the same effort. One of your uh, share group members has had an experience, then you leverage that, I guess, to the extent possible. Yeah, you bet. So so from a organizational perspective, and we talk about this in some of our episodes, some of these digital transformations requires the uh, entire organization to change their mentality and approach, right? Because you're going from print to digital. For somebody who's done some, something a certain way for 15, 20 years, it's not easy to make that shift internally in the organization, right? So how have you guys done it? I would tell you from the print to digital, I think our team's actually excited about it because right now when we're in print, we do a, a two-week hot sheet. And so you're locked in. Well, by week two, your competition seeing what you're doing and they can react. One of the things we've seen through COVID, we, we moved away from print, but through our webpage and social media, we did a lot of uh, one day sales or four hour sales. You know, basically we thought we could get enough quantity to have a, you know, just a, a quick hit. And so I think the flexibility that digital gives us, I think that's a win. I think we're excited about it. We're, we operate off of retail accounting. And so each department has his budgeted sales and his gross numbers and his bottom line and et cetera. But Another thing that we're working on is a third-party provider is uh, some price optimization, some strategic pricing, and et cetera, and, and trying to identify from the consumer standpoint which items are more elastic than others. And we just start that here in January, and so we haven't got the full reporting going. But what's going to be interesting is when it comes out and says that you have to be super hot on this item because that's a more elastic to the consumer, but that particular department has not, you know, been as aggressive. And now he's trying to figure out, well, how do I have to manage or blend my margins to offset what I do here? And in the long run, that particular department director may think, well, that's going to be negative to my department. But the goal is, is how do I drive the total company? We're going to have some internal conversation growing. What's that learning curve of that operation? And so that'll probably create some challenges in our internal systems. Part of this whole transformation and move into the digital world, are your category buyers, merchandisers, are they trying to create different tools or vehicles in the digital world to bring your vendors and your brands uh, you know, along with you on this journey? Yeah, you know, Gary, I would tell you that I think the CPG guys are probably ahead of us as we're getting ready to launch the mobile app. Um, you know, we just sent out, I don't know, four to six weeks ago, notices to the vendors talking about, hey, we're launching here on this date and we'd like to start. The CPG response has been has been pretty positive. So I think on that side of it, the organizations, the the big guys, uh, the larger CPGs are doing quite a bit of that because, you know, they're again, Walmart's doing it. There's so many things behind the scenes that they're doing that we don't even know about that they've partnered with the large guys already. So yeah. um, 
But again, I, I think our team's excited about the flexibility it's going to offer us in promotional activity. And, and so I, I think we're ready to fire it up and get it going. Well, I guess, David, we didn't even notice, but we've gone past 30 minutes here. So I guess we love that chat. And I hope our, our listeners enjoy the same. It's, it's not completely done, Gary. we got to get David back on the show because I think there's a whole lot so more we can I, talk I think, about. You know, a couple months' time after you, uh, David gets the app rolled out and so on, it'd be great to reconnect, capture some of those uh, learning experiences. Yeah, yeah. And David, any, any uh, closing thoughts that you have that you might... Uh, no, no. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's wait a couple of months. Let's get the app launched. And, you know, at that time, you know, potentially we could come back and talk about what were some of the learning curve issues or hurdles that we had with the launch. And we can talk about that and appreciate you guys thinking of me to participate in your in your podcast. Well, you know, David, it's been fantastic having you on the show. I mean, we thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and the insights that you provided. And I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of listeners here. And, you know, Gary, you've grown quite a bit here. I mean, we have several hundred people now listening to the podcast when it comes out. And I'm sure a bunch of them are are retailers. And I think your insights are much appreciated and we can't wait to get you back on. We have a new website, Gary, by the way. Um, So you can go to the retailperch.com. We have our own website. All the episodes are hosted there. You can play it right off of that. Uh, David, thank you so much again. And thanks people for listening to the show. And we'll be back here very soon. Next couple of episodes coming up. I promise you are going to be super interesting. We're actually going to hear from somebody from AWS, Amazon Web Services. So that should be super interesting. Uh, Gary, any closing thoughts? No, this has been great. David, thank you very much. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, folks. Bye. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. Bye.